0: It's time for episode 178 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March the first, twenty seventeen. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, thirty minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise the Tech Podcast, where time is absolutely relative or relatively absolute. I don't remember which one, but it's one of those. I'm your host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined by my fellow host. Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Happy February 29th,
0: Dan. What? What day is it? It's a non-leap day, so I guess it's March 1st. But we know the truth. It's really February 29th in hiding.
1: Well, this is the show where we talk about four tech topics with two wonderful guests. To my left, joining us from Tech News Today and iOS Today, returning to the show, Megan Maroney's back. Hi, Megan.
2: Hi, Dan. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on with you guys again.
0: We
1: always like it when people come back because it means we didn't scare them off the first time.
0: And to my left, it's a f- co founder of Relay FM, co host of Connected and Liftoff, uh, writer at 512 Pixels. You know him, you love him. It's Relay Zone, Stephen Hackett. Hi. Hey, good to be back. It's good to have you. And you're tied with Mike now for the, the like fifth, <laughs> fifth place on the all-time list. That's going to make Mike Hurley really mad, so that's welcome. Yeah, the, the quiet gamesmanship of clockwise appearances. Yep.
1: Uh, well, I'm the designated co-host this week, so let's start off by talking about what was on everybody's mind earlier this week. And I mean everybody, of course, obviously, right? Which is uh, the rumor posted in the Wall Street Journal... Uh, that Apple is considering trading the lightning jack on its next model of iPhone for a USB-C jack. So my question for you guys is, first of all, is this this plausible? Do you think this is actually going to happen? And second of all, is this something that we want and... Third of all, if I may throw a third part in there, why would Apple want to do this? If you if you had to hazard a guess, Megan, any thoughts?
2: I was very surprised, and I think it is unlikely to happen. It seems very unappley to happen, but I would be very excited for it to happen. I uh, spent a month with my co-host Jason Howell's uh, Google Pixel. Uh, I am regularly an iPhone user but I used it for a month and it of course has USB-C which I really enjoyed. It was easier to get uh, in and out, slightly easier than lightning and I really liked the quick chargeness of it. I liked how fast I could charge the battery because the Pixel battery does not last as long as my iPhone 7 so it was nice to be able to charge it fast uh, when I needed to. I do not like the idea of having to replace all my lightning cables but when i really thought about it i thought that i i am replacing those things about once a month anyway not because they break but because they uh get lost or people and when i say people i mean the children and friends of children living in my house uh take them uh either my my children take them to people's houses and leave them there or their friends happen to take them not on purpose but you know they all look the same so i i would be i i don't think replacing them i think you know, having half the phones in our house you, on Lightning and half on USB-C would be a little bit of an adjustment. But not. it's not like, you know, taking out the headphone jack or anything like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I uh, So I wrote a piece for Macworld uh, that went up uh, this morning as we record this. Uh, and I walked through like case for, case against. And I got to say, going into it, I was thinking uh, that I was going to end up writing one of those, no, nah, Apple's not going to do this. And when I walked through it, I was like, oh, Apple's totally going to do this. It, like, if not now, then soon, I think. And so why not now? This is, this is the company, I actually would argue that this is less intense a change than the headphone jack for them to make, because uh, the fact is most people, I mean, to make the same argument, most people use the lightning port for what? For charging. Most people don't use it for anything else. The nerds like us, yeah, we have adapters and stuff, but charging and the headphones that come in the box of the iPhone 7 are like the reasons you use the lightning port for most people. So would Apple dare to do this? They totally would. What do they get out of it? They can get a single connector type on every product they sell. USB-C, it'll be on all the Macs. Whether it is Thunderbolt 3 capable or not, It will. they'll all have those. And then all the iOS devices have it. I think it makes a lot of sense for them. Um, USB-C came later than Lightning. It has a lot of the same design goals as Lightning. You know, Apple designed Lightning to be small, and you can plug it in either way. USB-C does both of those. Um, I can't imagine a cord with... With lightning on one end and USB-C on the other, I mean, I know they exist, but that is such bad design because they're so similar that at a glance you can't tell them apart, and then you have to look more closely to make sure which end gets plugged in which side, which I think is bad, too. I think it's just easy for Apple to do this, and, uh, and, and the argument that Apple wouldn't do it because of control, because they control lightning... Well, they controlled MagSafe, too, and they ditched it for (laughs) USB-C. And, in fact, I would say one of the nice things about it is it sort of, like, makes a whole bunch of things not Apple's problem. They can be just like, look, it's an open market. People can kind of build hubs or plugs or whatever. It's just the USB market, and they can walk away. Not that they'll walk away from all accessories, but I think they'll walk away from some stuff that they feel they just don't need to make happen because the market will take care of it. So I think it's going to happen, if not this fall, then very soon.
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot of upside for Apple to do this. And, and, you know, you covered most of them. I think them the company playing with a industry standard would be it'd be a new for a device like this right you had 30 pin dot connector before this and people forget that even underwent a transition from firewire to usb and they they drop some devices along the way right the thing that that really sticks in my mind though is how many places apple uses lightning so i mean right now on my desk i have you know my iphone and my ipad they both have it i have my My AirPods case charges with Lightning, and I have a keyboard and trackpad that both pair and charge with Lightning. And Apple just really use this for all sorts of things. You have that stupid mouse; you have to charge at the bottom. It's got a Lightning (laughs) port on it. And so I think there's a lot more stuff to transition if they do this. You know, the there's nothing here on my desk that couldn't use USB-C. They could move everything to it. But there's a lot of stuff that's using it right now, and and I just think about you know the the customer going into the Apple store to buy a new set of headphones, they're going to have to know, do you need a headphone jack? Do you want one with a lightning on the end or do you want USB-C? And that's just, it's going to be messier, I think, than than previous transitions. Uh, and it makes me wonder if this is in the cards, if this is going to happen, why not last year when they got rid of the headphone jack you know are you going to have a year of phones or maybe two years of phones if like the 7s slash unicorn phone like if that whole thing is is true you're going to have a couple of phones that are sort of stranded in between like the headphone jack era and the usb-c era and that seems really strange to me and so if it is coming this year uh, i hope apple tells a story about about why it's this year and that they you know have some sort of um uh you know reasonable setup for customers to make that transition as smoothly as possible, right? It's always going to be a pain, but hopefully they have some uh, some steps across the bog that we can walk atop.
1: Walk well, I mean, clearly, Stephen, they have a story and that story is courage.
3: Oh yeah. Dan. Uh, no, I.
1: You know what? I'm on the fence about this one because there are arguments in favor of moving to USB-C. Obviously, you guys laid out uh, pretty well what the what the advantages are. I know a lot of people have talked about the quick charging, the open standards, simplifying their engineering process, offshoring some requirements for like who has to be in charge of like dealing with accessories. All those are good arguments. There is a lot of entrenched stuff right now, as Stephen pointed out. I don't think Apple ever doesn't do things because it would be hard or messy because we've seen transitions from before that have kind of been tricky. Um, it is weird to do it the year after they made such a big deal about losing the headphone jack and switching to lightning earbuds uh, because it just it seems weird and kind of feels um, Fickle, like, and flighty from them, right? If they're like, oh, we're just going to change the connector every year. And that's not <laughs> great for, you know, just sort of optics and customer f- satisfaction, right? Because people get really annoyed when they have to start, like, like Steven said, that scenario where go in and try to figure out which headphones you need is going to be kind of a pain. So I, I think that it probably, it, there's a good chance of this happening. I'm very skeptical that it will happen this year, but I'm not ruling it out, um, if only because the proliferation of Lightning across all those different things. I mean, it seems like a like a bad planning decision if they decided to go with Lightning for all those accessories, the Siri remote, et cetera, oh, only yeah. <laughs> to throw it under the bus like uh, a year or two later. Like That seems, that seems like a mess. Um, and so I feel like it's possible, but I also don't think that there is a huge advantage to them doing it right now. Um, But, you know, transitions happen and sooner or later they're going to find something that's better than lightning. So maybe they'll make this move sooner rather than later. I'm sure we'll all be angry about it no matter what happens. Uh, <laughs> but thanks for uh, thanks for, for, for weighing in on that one. Let's go to our second topic from Megan.
2: All right. So Mobile World Congress is almost over. Uh, I think we have one more day left. So far, to me, the most interesting thing to come out of the conference is the Nokia 3310, which is, of course, the old-fashioned feature phone that I had, uh, I think, the most exciting exciting thing you can do with it is play snake Mm -hmm. and i am i am wondering if if is this is just nostalgia or if there's something bigger here uh is uh is there more to it are smartphones getting too smart do we just want to have a phone and not to have everything else that we can do uh, every time we pick up this device what do you guys think
0: I think it's really exciting that at long last the it's a big moment for the phone industry and the smartphone industry. We have hipster phones now. It's great. How how exciting is that? Like a like a hipster wearing a funny hat that is out of style since the 50s or the 40s. Now we have a hipster phone that's just an old phone that doesn't do anything but play snake and isn't everybody excited about it? I don't know, you know, most people use their smartphones for as internet computers and having a phone like this it's cute, but it's really like just marketing the phone for people who don't want internet on their phone and they just want to make phone calls. I don't know about the rest of you, but you know, I don't I almost never use my iPhone to make phone calls or receive them. It's just a a minor feature that rides along with the internet stuff. So, you know, it's cute and there are some people for whom just having a phone is probably the way to go, but Wow, it just it strikes me as being you know a nostalgia trip and a, a and a little bit hipstery to me. So I think it's silly. Uh, it, fun, nostalgia trips are fun, but
3: not to be taken seriously. As a computer collector, I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, uh, uh, I tend to agree with you, Jason. That uh, at least in my use of it, my iPhone is a tiny internet computer that goes in my pocket. And it, it, it is a phone, but very rarely. The, the definition of a phone has greatly expanded for, for all of us. I, several years ago, attempted to go back to a feature phone. And I, I lasted about eight weeks before the real world just – like crushed my experiment, you know, just ground it to into the ground. Because you do I did need all of those things. And and back then I had, you know, a, a jobby job. And and now especially like running a business that's open twenty-four hours a day, like as as much as I may get tired of Twitter or tired of Facebook, like that's more of a self-control issue, or maybe I need to change my notifications or take some apps off my phone. But the the tool of having the internet wherever I am, that people can get a hold of me not just via phone call, but via, via FaceTime audio. You know, my business partner is in London. If we call each other, it's on FaceTime audio. Things like Slack, I need those tools with me all the time to run my business. And so for me, uh, I agree that this thing is, looks pretty awesome, and uh, I am tempted to pick one up just to kind of play with it and spend some time with it. But it's not something that I could put my SIM card in and carry around for any length of time. I think, I think for me, at least, life has just moved on uh, from that chapter.
1: Yeah, I was kind of tempted even to bring up the idea of this being something potentially appealing for like developing markets. But honestly, I feel like that's kind of selling it short, really, like, you know, the the markets anyways, like the the glory of a of a portable smartphone is, as you guys said, the connectivity and the phone calls. I think phone calls and texting are a very important part of what a lot of people even in developing countries do with their phones. But sort of not allowing for any internet access whatsoever, I feel like condemns it to a, a sort of a dead end of, uh, of, of evolution there, because you you want to be able to open up all those emerging countries into. Uh, you know, bigger economic and connectivity options by having the internet at their fingertips. I understand the idea of having a less complicated phone. I definitely know people in my life who would like a less complicated phone. My dad never uses any of the smartphone features of his iPhone and rarely remembers to bring the iPhone with him. But having a phone that he could carry around and make phone calls when necessary would probably suit him fine. Um, but it does seem like a weird sort of nostalgia trip. Um, because I, I, like Steven said, I think it's it's just hard to imagine how you would, at least for most of us, how would we comport our lives on this because there's just so much stuff that's important to being able to get online or have access to apps. All of that stuff is is so ingrained in our society now that it is really hard to imagine going back to something like this. So I can understand the idea for like sort of cheaper phones that are have might have some smart capabilities, but robbing it of basically any of those for just purely you know, text and phone calls seems unnecessarily reductive. Um, but I guess if you really need to go for that whole like burner phone chic, maybe this is the way to go.
2: <laughs> yeah, I agree, uh, especially with Jason. I think that uh, what you were looking for is perhaps these uh, phones are the artisanal pickle of <laughs> the smartphone. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I, I can see this in an emergency situation. My father-in-law still has his old Nokia that he keeps in the car. He lives in Montana. So so it is nice because you know the battery lasts forever, and you can't you don't it isn't something you have to charge every day, but yeah, I uh, I agree that it is uh, a hipster phone.
0: Oh, the best thing to come out of Barcelona this week is tapas, like every week. <laughs> so uh, that's half the half the show. We've got two more topics to go, but first, let me tell you about one of our sponsors. This episode of Clockwise brought to you in part by Linode, fast, powerful hosting for your projects that you can set up in just seconds. They have easy to understand tools that let you choose your resources and your Linux distro, giving the power and flexibility that you need. And Linode plans now start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gigabyte of RAM in the Linode Cloud. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode can be the right choice for you. It's never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. It offers the fastest hardware and network, fantastic customer support behind it all, and they guarantee 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, they keep it up that way. I'm not going to say that there was a major server outage yesterday, but I will point out that my Linode server was up the whole time, so people could (laughs) download my podcast. I don't know. Uh, Linode's great for tasks like running a private Git server, hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating powerful applications, and so much more. There are great new pricing options. You can get a server with one gig of RAM for $5 a month. $5! You can go all the way up to 16 gigs of RAM for $60 a month. Their two gig plan now includes 30 gigs of storage, all for just $10 a month. This is amazing. They keep offering more and more awesome options to meet your server needs. So, as a listener to Clockwise, go to linode.com slash clockwise, and you'll support us and get $20 toward any Linode plan. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so there's nothing to lose. Linode.com slash Clockwise, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash Clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or just use the promo code Clockwise2017 when you check out. Thank you to Linode for supporting Clockwise. All right, topic number three is for me, and uh, this can be a quickie, uh, but I was thinking, so SpaceX announced this week, and I host a space podcast called Lift Off with Steven. SpaceX announced <laughs> this week that it wants to send tourists around the moon. Uh, would you take a ride in space if it didn't bankrupt you? If somebody gave you a coupon or something, would you take a ride in space? And if so, where would you want to go?
3: Steven? I mean, I would, in an ideal world, I would like to to visit space and see things up close. I would love to see uh, another planet. But the reality is I can barely ride a roller coaster without keeping (laughs) my insides inside. So – it would be it would be unfortunate for me to climb atop a rocket it would end, it would end poorly for me and all those around me plus Jason we couldn't do liftoff together if I were in space and that that would make me sad so as as tempting as it may seem I, I just don't think that from a physical or a professional standpoint it's the right call for me
1: man uh, I feel like I can uh, I'm gonna talk the talk and not walk the walk because as somebody who's got a science fiction novel out set in space I I, li- I like Stephen don't really want to go to space. It still seems very risky to me. I don't even like climbing on planes. Um, so maybe not. Although, you know, if, if I sort of conquered that fear and were willing to go to space, I feel like I would want to go to Europa just to stick it to those damn aliens who said I can't land there.
2: <laughs> I am also more of a terrestrial rather than an extraterrestrial being. Uh, but uh, I... Did get to experience Star Chart VR, which I highly recommend. It, it costs four ninety nine, which is way cheaper than whatever it's going to cost to go to the moon. Uh, <laughs> I used it on the Daydream VR, but it is an amazing app. Uh, you don't get sick, and you can go to all, any planet you want very quickly. It doesn't take a lot up a lot of time. So I definitely would do that instead of going to the moon uh, if if someone gave me a coupon. Although, go, you know, I think that SpaceX should give out more coupons. Great idea, Jason.
0: Yeah, I, uh, those are good answers. Uh, I think what I would say is that I, I find space tourism kind of boring like I've poo-pooed the Virgin Galactic stuff where you kind of ride a, a plane up to the edge of space and then come back down uh, even going to the International Space Station you know that's kind of cool but it's low Earth orbit and it would, be a, it would be a great experience but when I heard about this moon thing I thought you know I've seen Apollo 13 it's one of my favorite movies you know they, they end up going right around the moon and then come back to Earth and it, you're really close and you can take pictures and, and, and you're right like right above the moon I would be sorely tempted if I had the moon coupon but uh otherwise i think perhaps the other trips i don't know if they would be worth it to me to go and do it and like Stephen, i probably would not pass the test to be able to go um because i got some inner ear stuff too so you know or, or Stephen and i could go together and we would just fill the fill the cabin with terrible
3: <laughs> things <laughs> nope Stop. let's move on to the next topic then Stephen. what do you have so uh, following up on the the phone topic, over the last couple of weeks, the major U.S. carriers – so AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, and whoever is left on Sprint uh, – they've all rolled out unlimited data plans, which is something that I thought at least were gone forever, right? They've slowly been weaning us off unlimited data as we've moved from Edge to 3G to LTE on our iPhones. But all of a sudden, it's back, and as you might expect, there's a lot of fine print. Sometimes tethering isn't included. Sometimes it's unlimited to a certain degree, and then they throttle you after so so, uh, many number of gigs. Uh, But it's back, and I was curious uh, what the three of you thought about that. Is that something that you are interested in? Are you always running up against the data allowance you have? Or is this just sort of something that's out there? It's a nice option, but you're not particularly interested in?
1: You know, it was funny. I was looking at this just the other day when AT&T uh, announced that they would add unlimited plans, because I had one of those way back in the day with the original iPhone. Um, and the prices on it aren't bad. Although, as Stephen points out, the plan that is pretty much uh, comparable with what I'm paying now for like six gigs of data um, doesn't allow tethering. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of a problem for me because I do end up in situations where it's not every day, but I do end up in situations where I need to get online and my iPhone is you know, there and it's the only option I've got. And I've got my MacBook and I can like tether those and it's great. Um, and to get that on the at and plan, I need to pay a lot more. I think we're moving in a direction that's kind of like where the cable companies have gone in terms of tiering service based on things like speed. Rather than based on data caps, like there will be caps, but they'll be high to discourage people who are like really high users of data, like Jason on his internet connection. We all know
0: he's just. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's March 1st. I'm now
0: unlimited on Comcast. Yay.
1: There you go. There you go. Um, So I think we're moving in that direction where it won't just be. Data is so important. And the same reasons we talked about with the Nokia phone earlier, right? With just having our smartphones available and being able to get online and how crucial that's become for so many of the things we do every day. I think we're moving in a direction where unlimited will become more common. Um, it's tempting for me, as I said, I, I'm at six gigs. I share my plan with my parents who both use somewhere in the vicinity of like 100 megabytes a month. And then I run up like four to five gigabytes, depending on if I'm traveling. Um, so it's definitely uh, appealing, but I don't want to pay the extra for tethering. So I guess we'll see how that shakes out. But at least I'm glad that there's competition happening in that arena right now.
2: Uh, Steven, do you want to know who's left on Sprint? Uh, I am left <laughs> on Sprint. And do you know what else it allows? Tethering okay. on the unlimited plan, which is exciting. It, I think it's about five gigs of te- tethering. It's not unlimited tethering, but I really, I just signed up again for the unlimited plan and I love it, uh, because I just got really tired of dealing with those email, uh, those emails warning me that I was about to run out of data, and the I I I do like the plan, and I do have this sort of you know the people that um call they they uh, hold. They will remain on the phone with the people trying to sell them something just to waste their time. I sort of do that with Sprint a little bit. Every couple of months, I call them up and they, and I say, you know, how can I pay less money? And they say, they give me a figure and I say, how can I pay even less money? It's sort of a little game I play with Sprint um, because I think I may actually be the last person left on Sprint and I will never change because I never, uh, I never gave up Sprint even when I couldn't get an iPhone on Sprint. So if that didn't make me change, I, I won't change now.
0: I think these are great moves. Um, the idea that they're not truly unlimited is true, and people need to know that. Like, at and unlimited without tethering, and a lot of them it's unlimited, but with uh, service degradation, like, not just above a certain amount you get capped and everything slows down, but the old, like, uh, you know, all your videos that you download are, are uh, the SD version. There's no HD downloads unless you pay extra to have the kind of completely unfiltered version. But, you know, I think that's okay, because in the end, what people... People want is to not have that ticking clock, that thing that like, oh, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm getting a warning. I need to cut back on my internet use. As somebody who just went through that with Comcast with the terabyte cap, it's terrible. I remember those days. Um, right now, we have a six gig plan, and among our four people in our family, we don't go over. And I think it's AT and T, and it has rollover data. So, um, you know, unless we have a really big month, then then there's no there's no cap worry at all there. But I'm encouraged by this because I I just I like the idea of ultimately being able to. To say, you know what, N- I'm never going to worry about my internet usage because I know I'm not going to get a bigger bill because of it. Either my internet will slow down or some stuff that I don't want. I mean, I'd love to be able to just go on AT&T and say, you know, M- my daughter doesn't get to stream HD video on the cell network and just keep that out. <laughs> and that would probably solve a lot of problems, too. So I think it's I think it's a step in the right direction. I know it's frustrating that it's not truly unlimited. And in some cases you have to pay more. But I think the 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 broad range of plans that are offered. Now are way more consumer friendly than we 've seen in a long time, so that's a that's a win i think
3: yeah i just I just signed into a t and t where my wife and I have a, a family plan together, and we pay for just six gigs between the two of us now there are just two of us on the plan, and I work at home and uh, as a she so we I, i'm not using a lot of data out and about, uh, and that does include tethering, which if I do travel, I usually end up needing. For me, it's more important to have flexibility. So that that six gigs. I mean, looking at our last three months of usage, you know, we're between four and five gigs uh, across a month, and so we have some uh, some margin there, if you will. But when I if I do travel, which I do for work every couple of months, it is nice to know I could go in here and I could say, hey, you know, this month I'm going to need ten gigs because I'm going to be, you know, doing uploading podcasts or doing a bunch of stuff uh, over tethering. Or using my iPad a lot more on AT and T as opposed to the Wi Fi. So for me, I like the flexibility that carriers have added that you, you can go in there and tinker with your plan and not, you know, reset your contract like it used to be. That you can go in and just make tweaks as you need it. And uh, so for me, the unlimited's not a, a big thing. I I, li- I like that it's there. I agree with you, Jason. The the choices consumers have now is a lot better than it used to be, you know, looking to upgrade my plane if I wanted to on AT&T. There's tons of steps between me and Unlimited, so you can really buy the amount of data you need. And I like that flexibility, and uh, I applaud them for adding it back, even if they're caveats. But I think that uh, for me, at least, uh, I'm not looking to to spend any more money with AT&T than I, than I already am.
1: Well, that we've wrapped up our
0: four technology topics. Jason... How we fix for bonus topic time? We will have time for a bonus topic right after this message from one of our sponsors, Blue Apron, the number one recipe delivery service. It's got the freshest ingredients, less than $10 per meal. Blue Apron is delivering seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients. They come to your house in a box with a recipe and pre-measured ingredients, so there isn't food waste. And guess what? You make it yourself in your own kitchen. Maybe you get your family involved. We've gotten our kids involved in making Blue Apron. It's improved the recipe variety in our in our house. Uh, not only when we make the meals, but when we reuse the recipes later and make them again because uh, the, so many of them are our favorites. The con- the content of the ingredients, the stuff in the box, is great. Uh, uh, the seafood, the beef, chicken, pork—all coming from, uh, especially the the source, sustainably, responsibly raised animals. The produce is from farms with regenerative regenerative farming. Uh, the meal card makes it easy to make these things yourself in less than in forty minutes or less, basically. So it's not going to take you two hours to put this thing together. It's going to taste great, and you're going to have the pride in having created it. No recipes are repeated across a year. You'll be able to make meals like spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice, vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips, creamy beef ragu, and elicoidali pasta. I don't know how it's pronounced, but we're getting that next week with spinach and cheddar cheese. 99% of the continental U.S. you can receive Blue Apron. There's no weekly commitment. You look at the menu, you choose the the meals you want. If nothing appeals to you, you just skip that week. They don't charge you. Super easy to do. You can check out this week's menu and get three meals free with your first purchase, including free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash clockwise. You're going to love it. Check it out. Cooking meals at home with great ingredients, blueapron.com slash clockwise. Thanks, Blue Apron. A better way to cook. All right, Dan, what's the bonus topic?
1: Well, it just so happens that it's food related. Uh, After getting in after my late night flight last night, I was a little bit peckish. So uh, I want to know what your favorite late night snack is. Megan?
2: Uh, Microwave popcorn or artisanal pickles.
3: Uh, Peanut butter. I'm with uh, Jason. I like an apple with some crunchy peanut butter on it. I'm a bowl of cereal man
1: myself. Mm. Well, well, we we'll all know what we're going to do after uh, after this show's over. Well, maybe many, many hours after this show's over. Uh, but that's all we've got for this week. So let's just thank our guests, Megan Maroney. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thanks for having me. I love to. I'll do it anytime you need somebody.
3: Steven, bring the airsick bag. I'll see you in the spaceship. Hey, anytime I can take down Mike Hurley on the uh, clockwise leaderboard is a good day. All right, and Dan, it's been a pleasure as always. Indeed. We should uh, do this again sometime. Sure. And everybody
0: out there, thanks for listening. We remind you, until next week, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.